Welcome to the Winner's Guide to Losing Football Bets. I am your host, Paul. This episode, we will recap week five by covering teams, players, and coaches who came out as winners and losers. I'll also do a quick rundown of each division and where every team stands as we've more than passed the quarter of the season mark. Here are the week five winners. Winner number one, Trevor Lawrence. Both Jacksonville and Buffalo slogged through the first three quarters, but once the fourth quarter hit, it was game on, and Lawrence hit some big-time throws with pressure in his face. I still want to see more from this offense, but Trevor Lawrence is doing what he can to help this team win. Winner two, New Orleans Saints defense. Mac Jones hasn't scared anyone, but it still takes a strong defense to hold a team to 156 yards of offense. They forced three turnovers, with one resulting in a defensive touchdown. If the defense can continue to put up efforts like this, it will take pressure off of Derek Carr and the New Orleans offense. Winner number three, Kenny Pickett. Like Trevor Lawrence, the first three quarters of this game were not great, but he hung in and kept his team in the game, didn't turn the ball over, and finally had a nice game with George Pickens. More of that, please, for my fantasy team. Winner number four, Justin Fields. Three weeks ago, Fields threw a lot of coaches under the bus, and it was on him to back up his words. In his last two games, he has eight touchdowns to only one interception, and remarkably, none of those touchdowns have been on the ground. I like the fire I've seen from Fields, at a position and age when many quarterbacks would just internalize their faults. If Fields' career does sink, he's going to make sure everyone knows that he wasn't the only one steering this ship. Winner number five, Desmond Ritter. There are games you can look at for quarterbacks and identify as being, this is the one where they believed they were a starter in this league. There weren't many high-level throws against Houston, but he was efficient, and when they needed him to drive the length of the field, he did so with ease. At the end of the season, we may look back at this game as being the moment Ritter no longer needed to convince himself he belonged. Or he just played a bad Houston team. Winner number six, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase didn't have a touchdown through the first four weeks, but in one game has now put himself into a fifth-place tie for the lead in scores. This looked like a team we all expected Cincinnati to be, and maybe we need to just expect this moving forward. The Bengals will shit the bed coming out of the gates, but come on strong as the season pushes forward. Winner seven, Zach Wilson. We have to be honest with what we have here in Zach Wilson. Like a six-year-old trying to pour their own bowl of cereal, you just expect it to be a disaster. So when they are able to pull it off, you just need to congratulate them and know moving forward, you're still going to get the disasters. This week, Zach successfully poured himself a bowl of cereal, and while the box of frosted mini-wheats is laying on its side, frosted wheat squares lay on the table next to the little splashes of milk, the little guy did it. Let him enjoy his victory. Winner number eight, the 49ers. This team, from top to bottom, is better than any other team. Every phase of the 49ers is top tier. The 49ers had six touchdowns. The Dallas Cowboys had eight first downs. What should scare everyone in the league is, Dallas came into this game knowing it needed to prove itself, 
The team and the pundits describe this as a game in which the Cowboys need to show they belong in a conversation for being one of the top teams in the NFL. San Francisco came in, punched in for their 60 minutes, and punched out. The team looking to prove to the world that their world-class defense and team was legit got punked, and as soon as the game was over, San Francisco merely began talking about next week against Cleveland. There are those who make the joke that Brock Purdy is a robot, but I would counter and say this entire unit is a machine, every piece doing its job at a high level. I still know San Francisco will probably lose a game, but the opponent will have to play a near-flawless game and will still need San Francisco to make mistakes, which to this point, they only have turned the ball over twice this season. So, you know, good luck. On to the Week 5 losers, and not a great week for certain head coaches. Loser number one, Zach Wilson. Okay, I let him enjoy his breakfast, but now it's time to clean up. Two weeks in a row, Zach has turned the ball over late in the game when turnovers just can't happen. There certainly is growth to the type of player he is, but if he wants to be viewed as an NFL starting quarterback, he has to be better with protecting the ball at all times, but specifically late in close games. Loser number two, Bill Belichick. The last two weeks, the Patriots have been outscored 72-3. This isn't all on Mac Jones, as the offensive line just isn't giving him any protection. So this has to be viewed as a complete structural failure as the offenses continue to score fewer points as each week progresses, going from 20 to 17 to 15 to 10 to three and finally zero. The Patriots have always been known to have a solid defense, but the offensive ineptitude is eroding what little defensive power they possessed. And while I felt this would be one of Bill's worst seasons, this is looking to be a historically bad season, if not for another coach I'll discuss later on this list. But he can't be fired in the middle of the season, right? Right? Loser number three, Buffalo's defense. Injuries are beginning to ravage this team, which was already exhausted from the long flight to London before they needed to play over 80 snaps. This is a good defense, but it can't lose too many more players before it becomes a code red. Loser number four, Ron Rivera. The offense is humming, the defense is not, and Rivera is a defensive-minded coach. He probably won't survive this season. Loser number five, Lamar Jackson. While I can't blame Lamar for all the dropped passes in this game, you cannot force a throw when you have a shot at three points to extend a lead to five. But he did, and Kenny Pickett and George Pickens made him pay for that mistake. Loser number six, Sean Payton. Remember last year when the Broncos started the season 1-4 and four and had been outscored by 60 points? No? You don't remember that? Well, that's because this time last year, they were actually 2-3 and three and had only been outscored by 5 points. What I had just described is where the Broncos are now with Sean fucking Payton, who audaciously claimed Nathaniel Hackett was the worst coach the NFL had ever seen. Well, maybe Sean was right, but he has done everything he can do to one-up Nathaniel Hackett because this is the worst coaching job I have ever seen. Because, you know, sometimes coordinators don't make good coaches. It happens every year, and for no fault of the coordinator. You don't know until you know. Nathaniel Hackett will likely remain an offensive coordinator for the rest of his career. 
Sean Payton has been regarded as one of the great coaches of the last 20 years, and I can't see why. He lucked into a Super Bowl win, but his teams consistently underperform once they play even just adequate or equal talent. Sean Payton, like Bill Belichick, coached for 10-plus years in a shit division and was viewed as a great coach. But in 15 years, he only had three NFC Championship game appearances. Belichick has lost as many Super Bowls as Peyton has championship game appearances. Peyton has only been to the playoffs in 9 of 15 years, in a division that had the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Buccaneers. None of those teams were ever behemoths. None of those teams maintained success over three or four seasons. Drew Brees has numbers that rival Tom Brady's, in a division and a conference that was never as good as the AFC. And yet Sean Peyton is viewed as this guru, and he's a fucking fraud. And I'm so happy we are seeing it come to light because the Jets are not a button-down team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And the coach he called out in the beginning of the season got the game ball and helped coach Zach Wilson to beat this punk-ass Denver team. Loser number seven, the Dallas Cowboys. In 1994, the Philadelphia Eagles came into San Francisco and whooped the snot out of the 49ers. It was a turning point for a Niners team that would go on to easily win the Super Bowl. This Cowboys team had, and still has high expectations for this season, but this next week will determine if they are focused and this was just a learning point as it was for San Francisco in 94, or as Texas secretly legalized marijuana. This team is missing leadership. Dak Prescott makes too many mistakes to be the one leading the charge. Mike McCarthy is too much of a dope to be taken seriously. It will be on the defense and Micah Parsons to turn this around. But if teams can expose them the way San Francisco just did, they could miss the playoffs altogether. Loser number eight, Green Bay fans' expectations. There was a lot of hope and belief that Jordan Love could pull an Aaron Rodgers and step right in and lead this team to the playoffs. But you know what? Even Aaron Rodgers didn't do that his first year as starter. He couldn't lead them to the playoffs despite having better experience around him in Greg Jennings and Donald Driver, who both had 1,000-yard receiving seasons. He couldn't do it with Ryan Grant, a 1,200-yard running back. This isn't going to be a good year for Green Bay, and it's time to acknowledge that and set your expectations accordingly, because this isn't Jordan Love's fault. I think this receiving group could end up being special, but right now there is no veteran leadership, and it's going to take time for everyone to carve out their own roles and do so behind a terrible offensive line. As much as I want to see Sean Clifford play because I think he has the most upside of the non-first-round quarterbacks, there is no reason to pull Jordan Love now or even early next year. On to the division breakdowns. AFC East. In first place, Miami Dolphins. I don't mind a flashy offense, but I need to see a thicker skin on the defense. Second place, Bills. Mental toughness is what will get this team through to the postseason, but too many injuries can make you feel things aren't going your way. Third place, Jets. Aaron Rodgers says he can be back before the end of the season, but it won't matter if they can't win two of three against the Giants, Chargers, and Raiders coming up. Fourth place, New England Patriots. Can Bill O'Brien show enough offensive improvement to take over as head coach next season? AFC North. First place, Pittsburgh Steelers. This doesn't feel sustainable, but as long as the defense plays this tough, they will be in every game. Second place, Ravens. 
if any one of the five receivers who dropped a pass caught said pass, the Ravens are alone in first place. Button that up, and they should be fine. Third place, Cleveland Browns. Fourth place, Cincinnati Bengals. Despite a terrible start, the Bengals can still run away with this division, but have a rough next three weeks against Seattle, San Francisco, and Buffalo. AFC South. First place, Jacksonville Jaguars. It hasn't been pretty, or at times good, but they have the most talent in the division. Second place, Indianapolis Colts. While Gardner Minshew has more short-term upside, they need Anthony Richardson to get snaps, even if it affects their win-loss record. Third place, Houston Texans. This offense is better than expected, and C.J. Stroud is playing with great confidence. Fourth place, Tennessee Titans. No team yo-yos like the Titans, and with a soft schedule, should still reach eight wins. AFC West. First place, Kansas City Chiefs. This is an overrated team, and if you remove their win over the Bears, they only have a plus 17 scoring differential. Second place, Chargers from San Diego. The next two weeks will likely tell us everything we need to know about the Chargers as they host the Cowboys, then play the Chiefs. Third place, Las Vegas Raiders. The defense will need to hold teams to below 17 points for this team to win. Fourth place, Denver Broncos. Over the next four weeks, they played the Bills and then the Chiefs twice. Can Sean Payton be fired by then? Not likely, but, you know, a boy can dream. NFC East. First place, Philadelphia Eagles. The wins haven't been pretty, but they remain undefeated and have not folded in crunch time. Calloused hands grip harder. Second place, Dallas Cowboys. Speaking of hands... Does Dallas have some of the softest, squishiest hands in the NFL? All flash, no substance. They are the thunder, not the lightning. And as long as you can handle the noise, they don't do any real damage. Third place, Washington Commanders. This was supposed to be a defensive-led team, and only the Broncos have given up more points in the NFL. Fourth place, New York Giants. Has a coach ever gone from coach of the year to fired in the span of two seasons? If there ever was a candidate, Brian Dayball is it. NFC North. First place, Detroit Lions. As long as the offense looks as smooth as it does, the defense doesn't need to be elite. Second place, Green Bay Packers. There is no wider gap between first and second in any other division. It's going to be a long season for the Packers. Third place, Chicago Bears. The Bears go as Justin Fields goes and if the defense doesn't fuck that up. Fourth place, Minnesota Vikings. Losing Justin Jefferson, even if just for a few weeks, ends any shot the Vikings had at a playoff spot. NFC South. First place, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With games against the Lions, Falcons, and Bills, Todd Bowles can begin to carve out a head coach of the year nomination or be back to below 500. Second place, Atlanta Falcons. With a soft schedule, the Falcons have a great shot of winning this division if Desmond Ritter plays like he did Sunday. Third place, New Orleans Saints. The teams the Saints have beat aren't as impressive as you'd hope for, but there still is optimism that the offense can get things rolling. Fourth place, Carolina Panthers. Is Frank Reich a one-and-done head coach? 
with no first-round pick in next year's draft, it might make sense to hold on to Reich one more year, as I don't know any head coach who wants to come into this mess of a team. NFC West. First place, San Francisco 49ers. 17 weeks is a long season, and they've only played one true road game. Cleveland and defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz had a bye week to prepare. When you are looking for cracks in an armor, this is the game you want to watch. Second place, Seattle Seahawks. I'm excited to see how rookie Devin Witherspoon plays against a strong Bagels receiving group. Pete Carroll just marching out another competent team. Third place, Los Angeles Rams. Cooper Cup's return will take away targets from Puka Nakua, but should create better scoring opportunities for the rookie. Sean McVay for comeback coach of the year? Fourth place, Arizona Cardinals. This team's depth wasn't great to begin with, and losing James Conner isn't going to help. I like the effort Jonathan Gannon has pulled from this team, so I look forward to how the next man steps up. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Winner's Guide to Losing Football Bets. Next episode, we will have our week six predictions and analysis. Till then, stay safe.